Hey kids, welcome to another fucking horror podcast. I'm your host, Monique Sanchez. I'm your host, Amy Creighton. And here we are, another Sunday. Another Sunday, another fun day. Boom. Love yeah. that. And it's extra fun because we are having Elderflower French 75s. Which Monique made and she did a fucking bang up job. Yeah. So kudos to you. Cheers. Thank you. Keeping it cute and classy. Ooh, I like that. Right? Yeah. Mm. Alliteration. I love an alliteration. I love an alliteration too, so I appreciate that about you. Very much so. Thank Your you. recommendations were on fucking point oh. last week. I watched The Lodge. <gasps> Tell me everything. It was fucking phenomenal. You literally could not have explained it better. You gave the perfect summary for it Yeah. in the last episode. Yes. Everything you said about it was true. I didn't know where it was going. Yeah. I several times thought I knew what the fuck was happening, and then I was like, I... I don't know. Is the is the house even haunted? I don't know what's yeah. happening. Yeah, and then like it, like the the climax happens, and you're like, oh my god. Oh yeah. Oh. Blown away. What a fucking ending. And usually, yeah. I'm very disappointed by the endings of movies, and this one lived up to it. Yeah, it's. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Oh, it was so fucking. Several parts gave me chills. Yeah. Just because, and it wasn't even like nothing jumped out. It wasn't. Yeah, like, like a jump scare. It was just. You were right. It was. The perfect atmospheric horror. Yeah, and something that I feel that American horror tends to not be as good as other countries is that the American Hollywood establishment machine, what have you, has basically too much money. So one, a lot more things get greenlit than should, and two, people rely a lot on special effects. Yeah, and not like and not practical special effects, but like CGI and you know what the monster looks like and it pops out or whatever. And the thing is, it's never gonna look the way you've decided it looks. Yes, that, that, that however scary it is in your head, it's always gonna be scarier than whatever Stan Winston came up with. And you know, this is a movie that doesn't do any of that. No. It doesn't have any sort of special effects like that. It doesn't even need to though. No. It's so chilling without any of that, without yeah. any of the fucking pomp and circumstance. It's so fucking good. I don't want to ruin anything, but I told you that one scene where you're literally just like looking out of the house yeah. and I got chills. It's such a simple, yeah, like a simple detail that you're looking at that I just, oh. It's really, really, really it's fantastic. It's very, very good. Monique was correct. Thanks. Her recommendations are always on point. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. And really you know good. what? If any of you guys see it, shoot us a DM. I would love to hear what you guys think about it. It's I can't recommend it enough. The Lodge on Hulu. It's fucking incredible. It's really good. Um, it is almost a two-hour movie, but it's worth it. So worth it. I rarely ever stay awake through movies, a full disclosure. I am that person, but I could not like blink even. I was riveted. Johnny, who a lot of times doesn't even like movies that I pick, absolutely loved it and got completely sucked in and literally like put his phone down and was hundred percent. It was fucking phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's really hard to not get sucked in because all of it is the acting is phenomenal, the way it's shot, the story, all of it's great. And, but it's really hard to not get sucked in because you're like what What's, the fuck is happening? What is going on? Like, what am I actually and when witnessing? when you think you're like, okay, this is what's happening. No. Nope. Yeah, and it sure. happens like three or four times throughout the movie where you think you know what's happening and it is not that. And then when you realize what's happening, it's so fucking horrifying Ugh. and so satisfying at the same time. Yes. Oh my God. It's so good. 
I think the last time I saw something that excited me that way was Hereditary. You literally took that out of my fucking mouth. I was like, that was the last movie I felt this passionate about, and I honestly think it. I liked it better than Hereditary, and I loved Hereditary. I thought yeah. Hereditary was fucking flawless, honestly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean the fact that Tony Collette didn't get an Academy Award nomination is <gasps> like this is the biggest bullshit of an industry ever. She, oh my god, no, she was fucking so good in that movie. And too. Alex Wolf as the son, just the scene of him in the car after the really famous scene that happens in Hereditary with yes. his sister. Oh, you'll never forget it. It's, he's he really so got me when he was crying too when they did flawless. the flawless. That he yeah. didn't get a nomination either. It's like, what is this bullshit industry? Did but, you watch My Friend Dahmer, which is the other movie with him? He was incredible. He in was it. fucking great in that too. Yeah, that's a great movie. When that movie came out, by the time I saw it, it was only playing at not the Angelica, like someplace in the village. And it was one of those things. <laughs> this was obviously before I met you. It was one of those things that I was like. Does anyone, does anyone <laughs> want to go see the Dahmer movie with me? Me? This no. Girl? No. Everyone's yeah. like, that's a hard pass. No. And I'm like, but it's in him in high school. He hasn't eaten fun. anyone yet. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> that movie was fucking great. Was really well done. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really into Alex Wolf. I, I'm it's so... Great. He's doing great Looking work. forward to seeing where his career goes. Yeah. I, I'm I think super he's turned on by it. only going to have an upward trajectory. He's For sure. phenomenal. And he was like a Nickelodeon kid, right? Oh shit, was he? Yeah. I don't think like I realized him, that. Him and his brother, I believe, like had a TV show together. And then the kid who played Dahmer was also either a Nickelodeon or a Disney kid. <laughs> Which I mean... <laughs> I love the irony of that. That's amazing. Well, no, oh. because they're like, how am I going to break out of this typecast? Yeah, like, I'm going to play Jeffrey Dahmer. Serial killer movie? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's the, the my friend Dahmer's incredible. If you haven't seen it, you got to. I'll have to give it a watch. It's been a few years. Same. I saw it like right when it came out, I think. I only saw it in the movie theater, but it, and then I told everyone to watch it and all my friends were like, mm -hmm, yeah, thank you. Oh, right on that. Movie. Right on that. Uh, especially since <laughs> a lot of my friends are of the musical theater world. Oh, this is like the polar opposite. So yeah. I'm watching a movie about Jeffrey Dahmer in high school based off of a graphic novel is not their situation. It's not their, their idea of a good time. Which is which why. Which I don't understand because I would much rather sit through that than a musical any day of That's the why week. this friendship is very exciting to me. Uh -huh. Yeah. Because really <laughs> I finally have so I have not been able to talk about my friend Dahmer with literally anyone. That is fucking crazy to me. It's such a good movie. Not in, I don't know anyone who's seen it. Maybe my friend back home, Christina, saw it, but she would If anyone be, were going to. If anyone were going to, it would have been her. her. Yeah. But that's it. No one in New I don't have a friend in New York who's going to see it. Like, I, when I saw Hereditary, I took my friend's husband because my friend would not see it. <laughs> I should borrow your husband for a little bit. Exactly. And she was like, I'm not seeing Hereditary. Friend recommended it to me. Johnny and I watched it. It was so good. We literally watched it the next night with our friend. We made our roommate watch it with us. We were like, no, literally, we'll watch it again. We literally just watched it. That's yeah. how good it is. And we like made him sit down and watch this movie. I have you been to Alamo Draft House? I know what the premise of that is, and I want to say yes, but I like when would I have done that? So maybe I'm just thinking of like the shitty off-brand one in other mm. places that I've no, been no, to because you... I know there's like the Tampa Picture Show and shit. Which, oh no, you would yeah. absolutely know if you've been to Alamo Draft House. So I'm going to say no on that one then. So I'm definitely going to take you. Alamo Draft House is a place for people who love film. Yes. And the one in Brooklyn, they have a speakeasy attached to it called yes. House of Wax. <gasps> Correct. And it yes. has all of these wax figures of dissected people and fetuses and deformities and all... All that kind of good stuff. I'm literally like smiling and clapping like an insane person. No, no, this is why we're friends. 
This is my dream right now. The carpet is the same carpet from the Stanley Hotel, which <gasps> The Shining. Fuck yes. Fuck yes. No, it was, of course it is, which I would recognize immediately. Yes. Immediately. It's it's just if you love film, this uh, is the place for you. And when you go to see a movie, of course they show you the trailers because they have like contractually yeah, that's part have. of the thing. But if you show up half an hour before, they have a pre-show that has been specifically curated for the film that you're watching. So, for instance, when you went to go see Dunkirk, it was all newsreels of the 1940s and World <gasps> War II. So, another amazing movie, by the way. Fuck yeah. Shape of Water was, it was all like trailers of creature features from okay, like the I was 60s. Gonna say, yeah. So, Hereditary, it was trailers of movies that the director had said inspired Hereditary. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's so really cool. They have full bar and full restaurant service throughout. And the thing that I love most of all, a very strict no texting, no talking <gasps> policy. You get one warning, then you're thrown the fuck out without a refund. That is 100% how it should be everywhere. Everywhere. I stopped going to movie theaters because the last three movies I went to, fucking people, not even teenagers, grown ass adults talked through the whole fucking thing and I, to the point that I just, I got up and left. It was so Literally weird. same because people don't know how to fucking behave anymore. And if you can't go one, an hour, two hours without your phone, like it's yes. physically impossible for you, I don't understand. Or being like, why are they going in there? Shut the fuck, fuck up. up. Let's we'll find, find out. out together. We're going to find out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So Alamo Draft House is so fucking wonderful. This is not an ad, but if Alamo Draft House wants to, <laughs> wants to advertise for us, I would be over the moon. Uh, it's absolutely wonderful. I saw Hereditary twice at Alamo Draft House, and it was funny because the second time I went, before regular movie theaters would assign seats, Alamo Draft House was doing that. Yes, for a long time. Which thank you. So so exactly, happy that that and it's it's thing. they have like those like nice like lazy boy uh, type of that you can yeah. recline the big chairs. So I showed up and there was someone seated in my seat. Oh, and they also, Alamo Draft House does not allow late seating. Yes. Like they are not fucking around. Oh, I love a cutthroat movie theater. Like mm -hmm. this is not bullshit. We're not fucking around, okay? Oh, no. That get in, watch your movie, get out. Don't say a goddamn word. Absolutely. Even their pre-show reel usually features a voicemail from a disgruntled person who got kicked out of the <gasps> movie. And be like, oh, this is fucking bullshit. And da, 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 da. It's so. <laughs> that's my favorite. And they're like, P.S. We're for real, real. We will throw you out of the fucking movie theater if you're texting or talking. So and if you call and complain, we're gonna fucking play your shit in front of everybody and humiliate you for the rest of time. So and you're gonna look like an asshole. Shut the fuck up. Exactly. Yeah. So I went and there was a woman in my seat. I'm like, hey, I'm sorry. I think you're in my seat. And she goes, well, you know, the attendant checked my ticket and said that it was correct. And I was like, do you mind if I check yours? And I was like, yeah, you're in the wrong theater. <laughs> and then she was like, oh, this isn't like some super PG movie. Oh, and I was like, like very nice girl, no, it is not. You're about to get your shit fucked. <laughs> and I was like, you do not want to be seeing this movie if that's the movie you're seeing. And I was like, I am saving you like therapy bills. Yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. And everyone around were like, uh, yeah, that is not this movie that we're seeing. This is not like the new like Frozen movie. Yeah. So. <laughs> The worst part is I would be that type of person that went in the wrong theater and I would watch the whole movie and be like, when are they going to start singing? When's the snowman going to come in? I'm very confused. 
Well, that's there, there's a, an episode of The Office with Jim and Pam, and she's saying how... It's 28 days versus 28, 28 days, days later. later. <laughs> and she kept waiting for Sandra Bullock to come up, and like the zombies around, she's very confused. Because in Blockbuster, when that used to be a thing before Netflix, you would have to go and rent a movie in a brick-and-mortar store, and they would not, not really have, have the, the covers. covers. It would just say the name and a Blockbuster label. Yeah. And that, that's how she got confused. I love that. Uh, Side note, 20 Days Later, one of my favorite movies. I was obsessed with it in high school and I would literally watch it every single day. And I am pretty sure that is one of the reasons I fell in love with Johnny is because I swear to God, he looks like Killian Murphy. And I took one look at him and I was like, I could see that. 28 days later. He's got, he's got the cheekbones. He does. He's got the piercing blue, like fucking glacier ice eyes. Yeah, I could see that. Oh yeah. See, the Dawn of the Dead remake came out within the same time frame. Phenomenal. Ty Burrell is so fucking funny. And then he's like the dad of Modern Family. Amazing, he could do no wrong. Like he's so, he's good. so swarmy and gross, yes! and then and he's, he's like in that movie. He's such a fucking beautiful. Phil Dunphy, right. like what? Just like the all-around American amazing dad. Yeah, actors, they're oh. amazing, so talented. I loved the remake more, and I, I so I preferred the Dawn of the Dead remake to Twenty Eight Days Later. Love me some Killian Murphy and some Brendan Gleeson. Fantastic, yeah. he's wonderful. And he's everything. great. But the thing that killed me, and it was right off the top. Because it starts with a bunch of like, like it starts with them in the, the laboratory, yes, trying to free the monkeys, free the monkeys, rage, yeah. and and they have rage, and I was like, I'm out. This is bullshit. <laughs> Literally, not having it. I, I was not. What rage? What? <laughs> this is what they call it. It was probably some fucking long, sure, and like, yeah, the, the scientific name that nobody wanted to pronounce. And I'm like, ah, eh, fuck it, just call it rage. It's I fine. couldn't. I I, che- I checked it. So three and a half minutes in, I you were done. Out. I was like, this is bullshit. No. And, and you know, and I, something that I, I really dig about Dawn of the Dead is for the most part, you have the exact same information that, that the characters have. So it is not a removed thing. You're experiencing it with them because you, it's, they go to bed yeah, that's and they wake, they wake up, up and chaos. it's like, what the fuck is it's happening? happening. You're right. And at no point is it ever like they're infected with rage. It's just like, we don't know what's happening. Yes. We don't know why this is happening. And I remember I saw that at a strip mall in Long Island. I went to go see that movie at 2 p.m. on like a fucking Tuesday or something. In this broad daylight, obviously. And I remember leaving that movie theater being terrified to walk to the uh, to the fucking... Really? Like, I was so I mean, afraid. Movies are powerful things. They can yeah. fucking... Yeah. They can really get in your head. Yeah. And especially 28... No. Uh, the other Dawn one. of the Dead? Thank you. Yes. Dawn of the, the Dawn of the Dead remake does a thing... Where it ends and you're like, okay, that's a that's a nice ending. And then the credits go on for like three seconds and it's like, nope, it's not. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Hey, bitch. Did you think we were gone? Hey, bitch. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. And I loved that. I loved the little surprises that happen either at the end of the credits or... Or during the credits, and I, I just remember leaving that movie theater and being completely terrified to go into an empty parking lot. Empty parking lots are kind of fucking creepy. I'm At two sorry. p.m. now? Yeah. Mm. Eh. No, I, I'm calling myself out. <laughs> I was trying to help you, Monique. I appreciate that. I really loved that movie. It was really good, and I loved that it was a different thing than the original Dawn of the Dead. I think I watched the original Dawn of the Dead afterwards. Mm-hmm. I think because one, I was not. So Super into horror movies. Right. When it came out, I was still uh, kind of 
a little scary. Right, because you'd white knuckle it through the movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, So really, that was me sort of getting over that and realizing that I actually... Tipping the toe in. Tipping the toe in. (laughs) I realized I actually could watch a scary movie and not completely lose my shit or pee my pants a little bit. So, uh, yeah, Dawn of the Dead I loved, and I remember watching it in high school, but I don't think I saw the original until years later. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, which that I thought was my bias for why I obviously liked the newer one better, but sure, I appreciated its homage to the original, but but also being like this is a completely different. Oh yeah, immediately from the onset when the fucking little girl is, (gasps) you realize the daughter is a fucking zombie and they have to kill. Ah, ah, so good. Horror movies are great. Oh my god, I couldn't watch them for so long. I really, I had a roommate one time who was obsessed with them. She would literally fall asleep to like I don't even want to say B-rated slasher fix like. D minus fucking slasher picks. <laughs> like the shit that nobody else would watch, she would watch and love. Buckets so of blood. Oh my god, you would hear like screams and chainsaws and shit coming from her room, and you'd be like, "Is Melissa okay?" And you'd be like, "Yeah, yeah she's, she's just sleeping. Like that's she's watching she just watches Cannibal Corpse or whatever." Yeah, and <laughs> like goes to sleep. So she was really the first person who got made you me into watch. It. Yeah, horror movies only because. I just want to know if something's going to jump out. Otherwise, I can handle it. I just want to be like a little prepared if some shit's going to go down. Yeah. And she didn't mind telling me. She's like, okay, this is about to get like really graphic or really gory. Like just brace yourself. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Thank you. That's all I needed. I always enjoy horror movies, but as someone who, as we just were discussing before we were recording, uh, I don't consider myself to be particularly brave or courageous. Which is so fucking funny to me. I don't understand this, but okay. Yeah, I think that's a huge character flaw that I have, that I'm neither of those things. So I am definitely a watching the horror movie like through with the oh. hand over the face, like through the open oh, yeah. I, situation. I am a cover the ear. I can watch the most horrific shit. I just don't want to hear it. Hmm. If I don't hear it, somehow I'm more detached from it. So if I ever am scared in a movie theater, you will know because I am 100% covering my ears. Oh, interesting. I don't like jump scares either. I think it's a fucking cheap shot and it I don't is. like it. And I don't want that stupid little instinctual jump I have to do because yeah. there was a loud noise. Like I'm not actually scared. I don't want to like feel like I was scared by a noise. The I don't know. worst or the best, depending on your preference, is the Hitchcockian of like, especially if you know you watch horror films, you know the, the tropes and you know if there's a really close shot on someone opening a refrigerator door yes. or Somebody's by the time they the close, door. it's going to be Yeah, like you, you get what, you know You've what the, movies, the you conventions know. are. But what it's, especially since Hitchcock is, you know, master of suspense and his whole thing would be the, there's no terror in the bang, but in the anticipation of it. Ooh, that's very true. Yeah. Because so, even if there isn't a loud noise, I'm still on edge. You're on edge because it's, you're, it's yes. coming. So if they like draw that out, you're like, oh, yes. no, it's supposed to be here. This hasn't happened yet. And so I'm still expecting it, even though it's not happening. Yeah. And it's like, and it might not happen. And oh, you're yeah. going like two scenes and you're just like, oh, it's coming. It's coming. That being said, my dad, he thought this was very funny. This sounds like a little fucked up now that I'm telling it, but it was, you know, all in good fun. He was the type that if there was ever that moment where it was the moment of the anticipation building and it was very quiet, he would make a scary cat noise before anything could happen and he would grab. So you'd have the scary cat noise and he'd touch you and I'd like every single time jump and be alarmed by that. I feel that shitty. I know lots of parents... Like dad specifically, like yeah. 
I had an ex-boyfriend whose dad used to wear like a scary Halloween mask and hide oh. in the house and scare <gasps> him when he was like four years old and then laugh at his face. You're supposed to trust your parents. Like if you can't trust your parents, that is a very... Exactly. It's a very big disconnect. My parents never did that. I mean, they have their own issues yeah. like everyone else, but I never, ever did they do stuff like that. No, the worst I would say my dad ever did was, I hate spiders. I mm -hmm. am like terrified of spiders. I'm fine with snakes, all a bunch of other shit. I don't care. It's really just spiders that get me. So anytime I would get him to come take care of a spider, he would have the crumpled up clean paper towel in one hand. Stop and it. then the paper towel that he would pick and the spider up in the other hand. Throw it on you? And he would pick it up and then do the old switcheroo and throw the clean one at you so that I would have like a little mini heart attack no. of the spider being thrown at me, even though I... I knew, I obviously knew it wasn't in there. He would never do that to me, but no, it's, fucked up. it's the threat of it. Yeah. But this is the reason I don't trust anybody to this day. And I've like, trust a bitch. Yeah. No. Cause everyone will always try to fucking throw a spider at you at some point in your life. You never fucking know. I will never do that because I am not, I was never the person who was like, oh, okay, <laughs> well, there's that. I'm there's not that. <laughs> but I was never the one who was like, mm, let's play with lizards and, and like, no, no, no. I don't. Oh, I'm not that Really? Girl. There are pictures of me Fuck. with me oh as a baby God, with the no. little, when they the make the, thing. yes, when they make the lizards no. be the little earrings. I also love snakes and no, am that no. crazy bitch that if I see a snake and I know it's not venomous, I will 100 fucking percent try to catch that thing. Fuck no. In every birthday party, like there's so the, many like, lizards in Miami. I don't 80s? know how you survived. I mean, there's so many. Then they're huge. They have the fucking like huge. Oh, they have the iguanas. Iguanas, yeah. Oh, in my parents' backyard, it looks like fucking Jurassic Park. Oh yeah, they're huge. I know. And my mom is terrified of lizards, they're kind of so it's her screaming <laughs> in the house, and she's Cuban and hysterical all of the time. That's just her like yeah, neutral, baseline, her baseline. Yeah. I don't love lizards. That's something that is nice about one of the many things that's nice about living in New York because it's too cold. Like there aren't lizards yeah. here. As long as you're fine with rats and cockroaches, like, you're good. You can handle it. Well, here's the thing. The cockroaches here are not like the cockroaches of Miami. Oh, yeah. You're not getting palmetto bugs. They're little, like, fucking German cockroaches. The, the ones palmetto on the street bugs are, are the size oh. of a fucking Buick. They have no fear. They fly towards your face. They don't give like, a fuck. For real. Like, they're terrifying. No, when, when I saw roaches here, I was like, oh, whatever. Exactly. You think of roaches? Sure. No, like... Oh no, palmetto like bugs a, are no A palmetto chicken. bug will play a game of chicken with you and it's fucking winning. Yeah. It has no fear. I'm pretty sure they have guns now. I'm not even like, I'm really <laughs> joking. Yes. They're fucked up. It's fucked up. No, but I remember in, in the 80s that every birthday party had some animal wrangler bringing this huge fucking snake. <laughs> that and they'd be like, right. let's fucking touch the snake. And yeah. I'm like, thank you, no. I'm, that's a hard <laughs> pass for me. No. So I will never throw a spider on you ever because I don't want to fuck with a spider, period. I mean, I'll... If it's little, I'll get rid of it. Same. Like, I can, yeah, deal with it. But, but that no. story you told me about with the Swiffer? Oh, yeah. No. no, girl. Oh, it was huge. No. Okay, well, if I know you're afraid of snakes, I'll never fuck with you with a snake, obviously. Yeah. Because that's well, because you're not horrendous awful. and yeah. awful. Yeah. But I do like them. I have caught several of them. Uh, my dad used to catch rat snakes for me when I was growing up and literally, like, show them to me and, like, let me touch them and realize they weren't, you know, scary or dangerous. And if you just, you know, hold them by their head. Oh, yeah. No, girl. Oh, yeah. I'm a city mouse. I, I can't do any of this. You want a little pet snake? No. Nope. Okay. No. <laughs> I will not get you out for your birthday. Thank you. You're welcome. You, you got me gin for my birthday. Which <laughs> that was much. That is the correct gift to give me for my birthday. Not a snake. But if I ever have one in my apartment, I'll be like, Amy, come here. I will. I will literally. I won't even take a train. I'll Uber over. Like, I'll be like, I'll let me get this fucking snake. I'm so on board. 
god. I'm so on board. Mm. That being said, I've heard the stories. I would never have a snake as a pet though. I feel mm. like that's a different, mm -mm, mm -mm. no offense, that's a different kind of girl. There was a guy in kindergarten that I had the biggest crush on, and his name is Chase. That's a solid hot boy name too. It's just like, I see, here's the thing. I don't know if he was hot. <laughs> I don't know. I can't tell you. Because it was 1987, 8, between 1987 and 1988. Uh, so he had a mullet for days. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, that was happening. So I also understand at Is the this time. In the front, party in the back. Goddamn right. <laughs> you know what you wanted. And he, he was one of these who had a pet snake. So and, cool. And I, again, people, it's like I liked him despite this. I was like, this yeah. is. Like, you know, the snake oh, isn't coming to the wedding, clearly. You yeah. don't have to get a snake babysitter. But I remember there was a thing where <laughs> the snake got lost somewhere in his house. And I'm like, this is my worst fucking nightmare. I feel like that oh happens with everybody who owns a snake at one point. And they were just super casual about it. Of course, it. like, oh, whatever. They'll show up. And I'm like, there's probably dogs missing or something. I don't know. I just, no. I couldn't. I couldn't with any of it. No, I've heard the stories and it's, it was like a friend of a friend and she had a big constrictor and she had a four poster bed. Oh my God. And it started Stop it. when she was sleeping, Stop it. it would wind itself up to the top of the four poster bed and it would just watch her sleep. And it was some, it had started doing this and it wasn't something it always did. And the I girl can't. started becoming very concerned. Freaked out about it? So finally she talked to somebody, Stop. like a veterinarian or oh something, and said like, hey, what's up with this? And the guy was legit like, you need to get rid of that snake. It's, 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 planning, on, it's planning on trying to eat you. That's what it's doing. Mm -mm. See, yeah. this is, no, no. We'll just get a little, like a little garden snake. No, girl. Ball python or something. I don't know. No? No. A little ring neck. It's super cute. Little bait. It's like this big. No. <laughs> Because then I have to like touch it. Yeah, that's true. No, no, no. Another thing with snakes, I, why I don't want to have them, is you have to feed them either crickets or no. live mice. No. And if you don't want to deal with live mice, you have to feed them like a mice popsicle, which is kind of Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, yeah, they do that. They do that. I know. All of, the, all of this is my worst night. Yeah. And like, no judgment to you or to anyone yeah, else. I don't want to own a snake. Who's like, about great. This. Yeah. Different strokes for different folks, but I just am not that gal. I on a Saturday night, I want to get dressed up and have a fancy cocktail. I do not want to be with your snake. I don't want to chill and give my snake a popsicle, <laughs> like a rat popsicle. I I can't. I can't. Oh God, no. I That's can't. fair. Do we have any? You have. I do some corrections. I do have corrections. I mean, I have just random things I want to talk about, but amazing. That's uh, about it. Yeah, let me let me just go into my my quick little corrections. A number one, Friday the thirteenth. So holy fuck, did I butcher that? <laughs> Number one, I actually know why Friday the 13th is considered unlucky, but my brain decided that I didn't know. It's unlucky because of the fucking Bible, because Jesus was crucified on a Friday, which is why we have Good Friday, and there was 13 people present at the Last Supper. Okay. And Judas Iscariot being the 13th who betrayed him. Yes. That's why Friday and 13 are considered unlucky. Unlucky. Okay. So, that makes sense. That's why. Um, yes. And I, I would not have known this because 
Stephen over here, I have very little religious knowledge. So the thing that I was trying to regurgitate really poorly that I saw, I found the meme. Uh, this is what it says. Friday the 13th, the secret power of Friday the 13th, a 14th century cover-up. Quote, Friday the 13th is actually good luck as it is associated with the 13 cycles of the moon in a lunar year. This is why a woman has 13 cycles a year and ovulates on the 13th day. In 1847, free thinking and divine female energy was suppressed and labeled witchcraft by Heinrich Kramer, who went forth to burn many healers on the stake due to forced ignorance and a hatred of powerful female leaders. This is why Friday the 13th is actually a spiritual day of enlightenment, divine feminine energy, and healing that should be sacred instead of hated." End quote. Hell yes. Hell yes. So okay. that's what I was trying to say. Yes. Okay, but is that is also true in addition to the yes okay there's so there's lots of things as to why friday the 13th is a thing another thing that i i found uh this on wikipedia according to folklore historian donald dossie the unlucky nature of the number 13 originated with a norse myth about 12 gods having dinner in valhalla the trickster god loki which i guess is yeah. a character in the avengers Yes, because Thor and Loki are both in the Avengers. Yeah. And they are part of the same, like, Norse, Norse myth yeah, mythology. Yeah, mythology. So the trickster god Loki, who was not invited, arrived as the 13th guest and arranged for Hor to shoot Balder with a mistletoe-tipped arrow. Dossie uh, says, quote, Balder died and the whole earth got dark. The whole earth mourned. It was a bad, unlucky day, end quote. The major event in Norse mythology caused the number... 13 to be considered unlucky crazy yeah the reason the mistletoe was able to affect him was because Baldur's mother went to every single living thing in the world and asked them not to hurt her son however she thought mistletoe was too insignificant i guess mm. to ask and so that was literally the only thing that would damage his immortality his godhood it's almost like superman yeah kind of so yeah, so we have that raging fuck up. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I just Not had a clarification this. in my story. I mentioned how the FBI got involved with Ken McElroy's case uh, to figure that out. And Amy asked why. And I was like, well, you know, just because... But that's, that's not how that works. What happened is that Trina McElroy, who was Ken McElroy's wife, got in touch with the lawyer and they believed that in addition to the entire town conspiring to murder her husband, that the sheriff and the mayor were in on it as well. So they got in touch with the FBI to say, okay. hey, this is an abuse of power. Which, Can you investigate this? Which was kind of true because didn't the guy after the meeting peace the fuck out he was like the he peaced out marshal or the chief of police or whatever the, the fuck sheriff was. yeah the the sheriff and the mayor were both at that meeting. meeting where they were like hey let's do the neighborhood watch and everyone was like really okay yeah like, that's what you think the fucking solution is and, and then he, he just left. but yeah but the thing is he's always denied it and everyone else has denied any knowledge of who did it or that it was a planned thing yeah the McElroy family clearly believes otherwise but they also believe that he was a great guy who everyone Which had a problem with him. He fucking wasn't. He so. clearly wasn't. He was a piece of shit. Yeah. But the reason the FBI got involved is because Trina McElroy and Ken McElroy's attorney reached out to the FBI saying that there's corrupt cops, they're not doing their job, and there's basically conspiracy. Holy shit, okay. And so the FBI got involved to research that and to investigate that rather. 
and they found nothing because no one would come forward. Come forward. I don't know that I believe that they planned it. I think I, I may have just saw, take, an opportunity. saw an opportunity and yeah. just fucking take advantage of it and just been like, oh shit, we could fucking shoot him right now and take care of this whole fucking situation if we want I to. I agree, because what are the odds? That they went to the meeting and planned to murder him literally like right after while yeah. they were at the bar? I don't, that because seems very unlikely. Because it was immediately yeah. after the meeting. I think it was one of those things they went to the meeting, they realized we're, literally nothing is going to happen. Yeah. No one is going to solve this problem and we were going to continue to be fucking intimidated and frightened for our lives from this man who has no fucking right to do this to us. Yeah, the law isn't going to help us, yeah. so we have to take our, our matter. And I don't even think it was like a collective, we have to take this into our own hands. I think it was probably the town saw the writing on the wall. They've been dealing with this for two fucking decades. Yeah. And they're like, no one's going to help us. And, you know, what, what's that that line in Romeo and Juliet? Tep not a desperate man. Like, that yeah. town was fucking desperate, and no one was helping them. And they saw an opportunity, and the reality is, more than one person took that shot. Yeah, it's the I am Spartacus moment, where everyone exactly. just is fucking like, no, I didn't see shit. I didn't uh, see shit, and, and there was multiple shell casings. So, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't think it was a conspiracy, but... She believed it was, and that's how the FBI got involved. Okay. But the FBI... I love that did... you even looked that up and cared. There were probably so many factual inaccuracies in my infrasound story, and I was like, if anybody fucking has questions, they could write me about it, and then I'll address them. Otherwise, whatever. I, just... I, I was <laughs> very impressed. I told you, don't tell people I have a chemistry major for a reason. Like, I don't want you to expect <laughs> too much of me. Like, I like to fly under the radar. That's my fucking sweet spot. And now the world knows. And now the world knows. Guys! Ugh. No. We have listeners in 10 countries that and 20 states. Pretty crazy. Holy fuck. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. How is this real life? I'm, I'm shocked. This is so cool. You guys are amazing. <laughs> I just needed to take that little break to tell you that. Thank you guys so much. Holy yes. shit. Yes. We appreciate it more than you will ever know, I think. Yes. This may make me not my parents' least favorite child. <laughs> you guys are doing that. I'm an only child. France, really... I'm looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> Australia, hey, hey girl. <laughs> it's amazing. How you doing? How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if you heard, they just caught a serial killer in Colorado. I fucking did not tell me everything. So it literally just happened this week. Like on Tuesday, they found the bodies and they found three bodies at a couple different properties in which the owners were not there. They believe they had a serial killer on their hands. I literally just looked it up right before we did this to realize they had already found the person they suspected of doing this. Holy and shit. they had already captured him. His name is Andre Jordan Barretts, and he goes by Psycho. Already off to a yeah. great start. Mm-hmm. The crimes were committed in Colorado, but he was found in Gallup, New Mexico. It's going to take weeks to months to identify the victims because the condition of the remains was so bad they weren't sure whether they were even male or female. Oh my god. And as of right now, they have three bodies, but they think there might be more. Has he confessed? Or Not that I've heard. I, I think they literally just captured him yesterday. Is there a projected time of like active oh. period? That he was I, no, I have not heard of that. Okay. I don't think, from his pictures, I don't think he's very old, so okay. I would not assume he's been active for that long. And they're probably still piecing all that shit together. Yeah, I would think so. Oh my god. I didn't do uh, enough research, but no, I, I did, mean, I did like cursory research. Just no, it's, it's a developing story, so. Yeah, keep following it. Yeah. I know, I was so, <laughs> it's weird that I'm less excited now that they've found him when I first was like, oh my god, there's a serial killer on the loose in Colorado. Like, be careful, Colorado. And I'm like, oh, they found him. It's very, which is fucked up, I know. I, I did read something very recently that I believe it was someone in the FBI said that at any given moment, there are between 30 and 50 active serial killers in the United States. <gasps> That's fucking chill. Even if there's one 
yes. in each state. That means in 30 states there are active serial killers. Like that's terrifying. Possibly all of the states yeah. active serial killers. Oh, there was in 1969, there were three active serial killers in California at the same time. Yeah. I can't even imagine living there during that time and having to deal with that. No. no. Well, there's a theory that the reason why... The lead? Is that what you're... Yeah. yeah. I found that so fascinating. I've literally heard about that this year, I think, for the yeah, first time. Yeah, that they think it, it had to do with mass lead poisoning because gasoline used to have lead in it. Yeah. And, and basically everything fucking Everything paint. had fucking yeah. lead. And lead is known to make you very aggressive. And literally, like, it was just out in the air. Yeah, because you're burning fucking yeah. lead-filled gasoline. Yeah. yeah. And that that it said that it's like a 20 years from when they stopped doing it yes. to, to when everything kind of calms down. And that's also a theory as to why Al-Qaeda... Oh, shit, I hadn't heard that is one. ...is a thing because... Yeah, that they think that like all of the like extreme radical <gasps> terrorists. Interesting. And because they stopped using leaded gas like 15 years ago. Okay. So they're like, there's a theory that in five years, like everyone can kind of just like chill the fuck out. Like if that like generally wow, that that dies off, an effect? Wow. then it, they just kind of chill out because they're not being poisoned by literally the air outside. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I, again, heard about that for the first time this year. And I, as soon as I got out, I was like, I need to literally tell every single person yeah. I've ever met about this because it's the fucking craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. So yeah, I like went on a spree where I just like, anyone I talked to, I was like, hey, did you know that uh, a bunch of serial killers might've been just had blood poisoning this whole time? My name's Amy, by the way. <laughs> Hi, hello. It's <laughs> random man on the subway I've never met before, you know. Uh, no, I'm obsessed. I, that's I'm, like the very low crazy point for New York. Like if that's oh, what you're meeting, like that's like a fairly normal person cool. for New York. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Exactly. It's like you're not screaming in my face for any reason. Like, all right, cool. You're not asking for money on the subway. I was once asked out on the train by, I, first of all, I was dressed for my nice professional job. So I was wearing like a pencil skirt and a blazer and I was very nicely dressed. And I was once asked out on the train on my way home by a man who was carrying not one, not two, <gasps> but four trash bags. Oh my. Filled with, filled with stuff on the train, which you already know is like. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Whoo, I know. I was very nice to him, but the whole time I was thinking, I was like, is that how bad my life looks right now? They're like, I'm willing to date the man on the train with four trash bags. Like, ugh. How many dates did he go on? <laughs> so it's actually Johnny, he's here now. There you um, go, no, I just love <laughs> My great grandmother her third husband she actually met on the subway really yeah i mean this I was like 1940s bronx and she had divorced her husband in cuba in the 40s which you did not fucking do oh no, yeah I'm and my great grandfather her husband was very well to do a man of means and influence where they lived and he would fuck around on her and she was like yeah go fuck yourself i'm Good not gonna her, tolerate yeah any of that kind of behavior no. I'm a woman of standard like I, I know the quality of woman that I am and you can go fuck yourself yes bitch yes bitch she was yeah. a boss bitch so she moved to the fucking Bronx Ooh. because she's a boss bitch yeah fuck yeah and gracia damn and she didn't speak any English kind of ever she died when I was 14 so I was fortunate enough to know her so she used to take the same train and the same subway car because I guess back then the trains actually ran like okay. on a schedule. Yeah, weird. Okay. And, and there was a guy on the train who would always intently look at her and because she's Cuban and paranoid, she was like, oh my God, this guy's going to rob me. <laughs> because of course, of course it's what a Cuban I mean, fucking thinks. I, 
it's and fair, she's a woman. Yeah, it's fair to think the worst and not expect the best in this sort yeah. of situation and, when a man's know, just staring at you on the train. And back in the day, New York was fucking, it was the wild oh, yeah. west. Oh, she yeah. definitely... Times Square was not nice. No, she, yeah. she definitely would tell stories about... She was never... I don't believe she was ever robbed. They they tried to rob her and she would like beat the shit out of her. Oh, they shit. tried to take her purse. She didn't give a fuck. Damn, this- she was a boss right? bitch. So it was a guy who was into her, and his name was Jimmy Murphy, a good, good Irish, Irish boy. In which I'm like, this is genetic. This mm. is me with all the Irish. I love the Irish. Yeah. <laughs> and she did not speak a lick of English. He oh, didn't speak shit. Spanish. <gasps> they got married and, and they made it work until the day he died. And that was the love of her life. And my dad would tell me that they used to go down to Cuba and he would take all of the kids out for haircuts, which like, oh, can, like that's how really adorable cute. is that? You know, because he was Irish, he, he liked the sauce. He liked his hooch. Yeah. So my dad says that he, you know, my dad left Cuba when he was 11. So it was before then. And my dad remembers going to the corner bar to fetch Jimmy for dinner. But my dad didn't speak English either. So he would have to mind to him of like, it was dinner time. <laughs> yes. Food in, food in, in your mouth. mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so sweet because everyone, you know, if I talk to my great grandmother's grandkids, so my dad and my uncles and aunts, all of them have the loveliest things to say about Jimmy Murphy. Aww, that's it's so sweet. And how he, apparently he was very delicate with her. He'd always be, call her honey and things Aww. like that. But I'm like, oh, where's, I just, I have an Irish boy waiting for me somewhere. Somewhere. I know he's out there. He's out there. We're looking at you, Ireland. Come on. Yeah. I mean, Ireland is not on the map yet. I know. That's what I'm saying. We're looking at you. I've become obsessed with the metrics of the show. And it's like watching the election of like the different states lining up. It's like, we got someone in Colorado, kids. Let's check yes. out Florida. How's Fuck Florida yeah. doing? Florida, uh, Florida's going strong. Florida's going strong. I mean, yeah. New York, Florida, California, and Texas. Hey, hey Texas. You guys are our A number one listeners. Yeah. So like... I'm looking at you. How you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of wrestling. We know. Wrestling. Wrestling. That's right. Fuck. Maybe they wrestle them too. They do the tipping. They do. <laughs> I know they do cow tipping. They do do cow tipping. Any other corrections? Notes? No, I think I think that's it. Those two, those were the two glaring. Oh, those were perfect. Glaring ones. Yeah. Do you have a spooky story for me, Monique? I do have a spooky story. I'm so excited about your spooky story. I'm going to go a little rogue. Yes! I have started something. That's literally you started. Yeah, it. I was you did. Said last episode. You're you're a fucking trailblazer. Fuck yes, we can do whatever we want, Monique. There's no it's our goddamn rules. show. There's no fucking rules. Fuck yeah, I am going to tell you a personal story. I almost requested this from you. <laughs> I was like, <sighs> you have the best personal paranormal <laughs> stories, and I was like, is that weird to be like, hey, Monique, tell me the story you've already told me, but I want to hear it again. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so excited. As Amy mentioned, I have a ton of paranormal experiences that have happened to me. And I'm going to tell you guys about one of them. So I've been living in my apartment for about 11 years. And the way my apartment is is laid out is my bedroom and my bathroom are immediately across from each other. And it's Manhattan, so there's, there's not wide open spaces and shit. Everything's in very close proximity. So whenever I'm in my bathroom, I usually have the door open and I usually have the door open to my bedroom. So if I look in my bathroom mirror, I can see my bedroom behind me. And pretty soon into me living there, I would regularly see like a small shadow out of the corner of my eye going into my bedroom. And it was happened pretty regularly. And my boyfriend at the time also mentioned that he would see like a, a dark shadow that 
but it, but it was it was literally specifically going into the bedroom. It was always in the bedroom. It was never anywhere else in the apartment. It was just the bedroom. And it would always be a thing when you were looking in the mirror, you would just be like, oh, what, what the fuck is that? What's that? But like nothing had really ever happened. And it was just like, hmm, isn't that a thing? Weird. Yeah. Weird. Sure. Then a few years ago, my building went under construction. Now, here's a fun little fact about Monique Sanchez. I hate construction so much. Oh my God. My parents are kind of bougie and they're always redoing their house that I've told them repeatedly. I'm like, you guys need to go to construction rehab because you're always redoing. You're out of control. You're yeah. out of control. And you know, they have a very beautiful home and yes, because they're doing construction, but I grew up with strangers in my home all of the time because there was, they were always doing something yeah. to the point that the paint in my bathroom has been peeling for like eight months and I haven't had anyone fix it because I don't want someone in my home. I don't blame you at all. So a scenario in which Monique Sanchez is living her worst life. It's the winter. She's in a cabin in the woods with a huge dog that barks a lot and wants to eat her face. There's cucumber water (laughs) and the cabin is under construction. This is literally me living my worst life is all of those things. I would have taken the first two. I would I would pass on the second two. I don't know if it's irrational or if it's not rational, but I really don't like cucumbers or pickles or how they've made their way into every fucking cocktail. <laughs> what the fuck? Just needed to put you that You like out a pickleback? Fuck no. I hate oh, all of it. They're so good though. I hate all of it. Oh, um, so God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just gave Odie chills for a whole different reason. So my apartment building starts going under construction. So automatically I'm fucking miserable because there's drilling and hammering and, and it's every fucking day for months and months and months. And then some like weird shit kind of starts happening. But apparently there's a reason for that. This is where I'm going to get into my sources because I also have sources intertwined with my personal. Oh, I love this. Yeah. So I have like extra credit. You're going like above and beyond this week. Yeah. I need, I need the golden star sticker, but the scratch (laughs) and sniff. fucking got it, girl. Yeah. Because I'm going above and beyond. So my sources are Wikipedia, NJ.com, and an article on live science by Teresa Poltarova. So paranormal activity is known to be awakened when a location goes undergoes construction, demolition, renovation, remodeling, or any other kind of major changes to the layout of a structure. Doug Hogate Jr., founder and CEO of Jersey Unique Minds Paranormal Society, believes spirits may get upset that the place that they still consider to be their home has been changed. Hogate said, quote, imagine being at your house and someone comes in and starts tearing walls down and remodeling. They could be thinking, this is my house. What are you doing to my house? End quote. Which is essentially one of the plot lines in the movie Beetlejuice. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, which, side note, because I know that you're not super on social media. Have you? Not. Have you seen that the internet has lost their mind because they realized that Catherine O'Hara, who plays Moira is Rose... Is the mom in fucking the mom, No, is, is Kevin's mom in, in Home, Home Alone. They are losing their minds about this. And wait till they find out about Beetlejuice. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to lie. I actually like saw a picture of her from Home Alone the other day. or whatever, I guess because yeah. everyone's losing their minds. I yeah. didn't realize. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot she was in that shit. I, I just, just forgot been so obsessed with her oh, she's since forever that I know fucking so. her whole shit. She's amazing. Goddess divine. Oh um, my god. So it's known that construction and demolition can, can unearth some spooky shit. So things that started happening was in my bedroom, the bedroom door would open on its own. 
And it's the type of door where you have to turn it and open it. Okay. So, it, and it's not a door that is unbalanced, which means it wasn't hung well and therefore opens and closes. No, 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 I definitely not. Okay. Skeptic. Oh. I have to. Uh, I have to chime in. That was in person. And my dad's a carpenter, so I fucking know all that. For sure. Culture. And and it would open on its own. I'd be like, okay. And I'd be on the other end of the room, and and it would open on its own. And I'd be like, that's interesting. But I really didn't think anything yes. of it. Yes. And as I've mentioned before, I live by myself, and maybe a little TMI, I don't wear much to go to sleep. And I have multiple mirrors in my bathroom because when you're putting on an outfit or makeup or whatever, you need different angles. So I woke up one morning and I went to the bathroom as I want to do after I wake up. And in the mirror that I have hanging on the other side of my door, I saw a huge scratch mark on my back that was really deep, Jesus. that it was almost like a talon. And it was in a place that I can't reach on my own. Yeah. I physically can't reach it on my own. And it, it was really deep that to the point that I feel that if this would have happened while I was sleeping, I would have woken up. Yeah. Or if you had like bumped up against something in your house, you would have immediately felt it. Yeah. It was and been really like, ah, deep. what the fuck did I do to myself? Yeah. That, that I had that scar for like a year and a half for like, a very long time. So it was very deep. So I was like, hmm, that's interesting. But again, I'm just, I'm not really thinking too much of it. And it, you know, not a ton is really... You know, like the door opens and I see a, a small dark thing go into my room and but nothing's really happening. Yeah. And even the scratch, I was like, maybe there was something in my bed, even though there wasn't anything in my yes. bed. But another thing is I'm a very light sleeper. So if there's a noise or whatever, I, I wake up very, very easily. And I sleep on my stomach. So one night I'm sleeping and I kind of drift awake and I feel what feels like someone sitting on the bed next to me. Okay. And I'm confused because I live by myself. And I go and I push my arms up to go and turn my face the other because it's sitting next to me behind but on the where other, I'm other facing, behind side, where I'm yeah. facing, right? On the opposite side. So then I, I push in my arms and I go to turn my head to see what the fuck that is. And then I feel a pressure on my lower back, like pushing me down. And then I feel something push my neck down, but I can't move my head. And I immediately think, oh my God, there's someone in my apartment. Someone's broken in, yeah. They're broken in and they're going to rape me. They're going to attack. I'm being attacked right now. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I feel like what feels like, almost like fingers on my neck. <gasps> and, like, and I can move my arms and legs and I'm flailing them about. And this was maybe five to ten seconds. It felt like a lifetime, obviously. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. And then it just stopped. And there was no one in my apartment. Oh. That's so unsettling. And... Especially like you were so sure you were being held down. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it hadn't happened again. And then and then fast forward a, a few months after that. And that night I had apparently gone to bed with like a top knot, but like a oh, bun. Yeah. And I had fallen asleep and I was drifting awake. And then I heard snoring. Weird. And I was like, what the fuck? Because again, I live by myself. Yeah. And you shouldn't be able to hear your neighbors snoring, really. Right. And and I, I've even thought that maybe it was me snoring and I woke myself up. I've even yeah. rationalized, like, maybe that's what it was. So I woke up and something pulled my bun. No. Yeah. I was just like, I don't know what's what this is about. I don't, I don't know. And, and I had said that, you know, something happened. I, I have lots of, uh, several friends of mine who suffer from sleep paralysis. And I had gone into what I'd gone through. And they're like, yeah, that's not... That's not what we've gone through. So I ended up going to see a friend of mine who was doing a show in Atlantic City. 
And for some reason, I ended up bringing up this story. And he goes, no, that's an incubus. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, it's a demon. And they sit on your back to force you down to basically rape Rape you you, in the middle of the night. And he's like, there's medieval art about this. And you see like women sleeping and a demon sitting on top of them. So my God, this kid in Bashan was right, Monique. So we're going to get into this. Oh, shit. An incubus is a male demon who, according to mythological traditions, lies upon sleeping women in order to rape them. Its female counterpart is known as a succubus. The word incubus comes from the late Latin word incubo, which means a nightmare induced by such a demon, which, yeah, nailed it, and from incubare, which literally means to lie upon. For centuries, it has been said that the incubus demon has preyed upon unsuspecting sleepers and as a result has inspired works of art and tales in traditional folklore, with its earliest mention dating back to 2400 BC Mesopotamia. Jesus. Mm -hmm. The MO of the incubus and the succubus is to produce a demon baby. I mean, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Casual. Cute. Mm -hmm. One of the beliefs of how they could do this is that an incubus can actually switch genders like the frog DNA in Jurassic Park. So the incubus would actually start out as a succubus, rape a man while he's sleeping, take his sperm (gasps) after he's ejaculated, and then switch to an incubus and rape a woman while she's sleeping and impregnate her with with his sperm? Yes. (gasps) But also, like, it's not a demon baby. It's just a massive inconvenience. Yeah, it's technically... Yeah, because it's not any of their sexual components. Like, it's male semen from a human male just deposited via the incubus slash succubus. Yeah. Okay. Some traditions believe that repeated sexual activity with an incubus or succubus could result in the deterioration of physical health, mental state, or even death. Possible explanations of the incubus. For men... Wet dreams. The common phenomena of nocturnal arousal and nocturnal emission is much easier to explain away when you claim that a demon held you down and had sex with you in your sleep, especially if you're living in a very conservative or religious area or time period. For women living in a conservative or religious community that expected purity before marriage, if they engaged in premarital sex and ended up getting pregnant, I can imagine that it would be a go-to excuse that a demon knocked no, me out. No, it was a demon, right? I swear. Then there is the awful and fucked up reality that some victims of the incubi may have actually been victims of real sexual assault. I was going to say they just got actually raped and then they were like, well, now I'm pregnant and I have to say something. So instead of having to like call out this guy, I can just say a demon did it and then move on with my life. I don't even think it's that level. I think that they probably legit thought that they were being raped by a demon. By a demon? Yeah. Because it was so horrifying and traumatizing. I can see that. It's believed that rapists may have attributed the rapes of sleeping women to demons in order to escape punishment, which... What? Fuck you, and I hate gaslighting. Fuck you. Exactly. Fuck you. Well, that's it's like the the scene in Rosemary's Baby where she's having the really vivid dream of being raped. Oh yeah. By the, the devil, and then in the middle of it, she's like, "This isn't a dream. I'm this is actually, fucking real." Yeah, this is actually happening to me. Yeah. So I think that there are women that maybe thought that this was a super real dream. I mean, I can if it's dark and, and something's it's dark. just it's some guy and you can't really see him that well and he's holding you down and yeah yeah and, and she gets pregnant and she's like but I'm a virgin I've never had sex before yeah oh my god oh, fuck everyone's terrible everyone's terrible for forever I think we've been terrible I mean yeah <laughs> were we ever yeah were we ever not I don't think so I don't think so 
Um, so let's dive into more scientific explanation for this. The main theory is that these alleged attacks occur during an episode of sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis is a result of the dissociation of sleep phases. During REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep, which is the period when a person typically dreams, the person's muscles are relaxed to the point of paralysis, which is believed to happen to prevent the sleeper from acting out their dreams. But when sleep paralysis takes place, the person's mind and eyes wake up, but the person is still dreaming and the body is still paralyzed. And what the afflicted person sees is a combination of their actual surroundings and a nightmare which is projected onto the real world, making the experience feel especially real and especially terrifying. Dr. Jan Dirk Blom, senior author and professor of clinical psychopathology at the University of Leiden in the Netherlands said, quote, lying in bed in such a state of paralysis, the brain's threat activated vigilance system kicks in and helps to create a compound hallucination of a creature sitting on the chest, end quote. In addition to feeling the pressure on one's chest, those who have experienced sleep paralysis have reported hearing sounds such as humming, hissing, static, zapping, and buzzing noises. They've also claimed to have heard voices, whispers, and roars, which we fucking imagine. Yeah. That's very odd. Mm -hmm. Accounts regularly include the appearance of shadow people and sensations of being dragged out of bed or flying, numbness, and feelings of electric tingles or vibrations running through the body. This experience is said to produce intense emotions such as fear and panic, which no fucking shit. Yeah. Like, yes. Who wouldn't be terrified of something holding you down while you are waking up, basically? Yeah, exactly. Dr. Blum says, quote, people who have experienced the incubus phenomenon often report a level of anxiety that is off the scale. Many of them have the feeling that they will actually die during the attack. Whether that ever happens is unknown, even though for a person experiencing it, it is not hard to imagine this happening, end quote. So that last bit took a dark turn because researchers have speculated about the possible link between incubus phenomenon and sudden unexpected death syndrome, which is when a healthy person inexplicably dies in his or her sleep, which, what the fuck? What? So this is a thing that absolutely occurs and they have no idea why. They don't know why. It's so creepy. They're trying to figure out if this is a thing that's related to it as to why, that they basically are scared to death. Okay. Are they giving themselves a heart attack basically or it didn't say the It doesn't say. Okay. Interesting. See, I love when there's the science behind it, but the science behind it is also like, we don't know. We don't fucking know. Exactly. It just spontaneously happens. Exactly. So according to science, what are the odds of sleep paralysis slash incubus phenomenon happening to you? In November 2017, a published meta-analysis from the Netherlands suggested that this frightening ordeal is actually pretty fucking common, with researchers discovering that 11% of the general population will experience this type of occurrence in their lifetimes, with certain groups having a higher probability of having this unnerving encounter. Among those at higher risk are people with psychiatric disorders, which I guess yeah, it's not, that makes sense. you know, yeah. Refugees and students. Oh, maybe from the lack of sleep kind of? And they're just like up at odd hours. Here's the thing. The odds of these people experiencing incubus phenomenon is as high as 41 fucking percent. That's fucking really high. Yeah. The analysis found that people who sleep on their backs have and have high levels of stress are more likely to have this experience, which explains why students and refugees have a higher probability of suffering this terrifying event. Though this frightening experience gets frequently dismissed as 
quote, just a bad dream, incubus phenomenon can lead to additional problems, including anxiety, difficulty sleeping due to fear, and even delusional disorder, a mental illness akin to schizophrenia. Holy shit. That fucking is no joke. No, this is for real, real. So here's the million dollar question. Okay. Did I experience sleep paralysis or was it an incubus? So I'm going to, I'm going to break down the, the okay, case. Okay, tell me. Here's the thing. Every case of incubus phenomenon that I looked up had the victim laying on their back, feeling a weight on their chest. I was sleeping on my stomach and felt the weight on my lower back as if someone was sitting on it. The other cases consistently mentioned feeling that they were completely paralyzed. I could move my arms and legs. And when I went to turn my head, I felt something push my neck down and hold it in place, therefore being unable to turn my head. I didn't see any shadow figures and I didn't hear anything, both of which are things that have been regularly reported during incidents of sleep paralysis slash incubus phenomena. Also, several people who have had these episodes were being treated for mental illness. I am not. People have also reported frequent occurrences of sleep paralysis, whereas luckily for me, this has only happened to me once. Prior to this incident, I woke up to a huge deep scratch on the back of my neck that resembled that of almost a talon in an area that I can't reach by myself. After my attack, I had my hair pulled and I've seen my bedroom door open on its own on multiple times. And every time I've seen it open, I was wide awake and not anywhere near going to sleep. I'll leave you with one last thought. Last year, I went to New Orleans with a friend and we decided to go to a medium and have a seance because we're in fucking New Orleans. So why, <laughs> why the fuck not? not? Yeah. And she had told us that we were allowed, each of us were allowed to reach out to three people who had passed on. I had two people in mind that I wanted to connect with and she did that and it was fucking incredible. And when it came time to ask for the third, I didn't have anybody. So she decided to just throw out a line and see if anyone would come through. She claimed that the spirit of a little girl came forward and she asked me if I knew a little girl who had passed on and I said no. Then she asked me if my apartment was haunted and I exclaimed, yes. <laughs> And she said, that's her. Then the medium took a moment and she said, but there's another thing in your apartment and that's not her. She's protecting you from it. <gasps> Fuck, you've already told me this story and you gave me chills <laughs> again. God damn it, okay. So was it sleep paralysis or was it an incubus? You guys be the judge, but all I know is that I hope it never happens again. That is fucking terrifying. Yeah. Johnny had sleep paralysis, I've never had it. Johnny had sleep paralysis once and I, funnily enough, had talked to a coworker about it literally two days before this had happened to him. Mm. So we have this really interesting conversation, he tells me all about the shadow people, all of this other effects. Johnny experiences this in the middle of the night. I'm a pretty heavy sleeper. Mm. I sleep through the entire thing. He wakes me up at the end and is like, babe, Oh you will God. never realize what happened to me. Mm. He's like, I think I just had sleep paralysis. And without missing a fucking beat, I go, did you see the shadow people? And he was so freaked out, one, by what he had seen, and two, the fact that I, out of literally a dead sleep, asked him if he saw exactly what he saw, that he was like, I can't even talk about it with you right now. We'll talk about it in the morning. I would have broken up with you. I would have moved out. <laughs> and I would have not stopped screaming for the rest of my life. He, apparently he said he was trying to scream for me repeatedly oh. and nothing was coming out of his mouth and that our dog uh, was with us at the time. The dog woke up, realized that Johnny was in distress and started like pawing at him and it was the pawing at him that eventually like allowed him to come. Yeah. But he literally is like, you didn't do fucking shit. The dog woke me up. Like the dog <laughs> saved me. And I was like, I don't, I was like, I was asleep. Like, I don't know what you want from me. 
Yeah, there's there's a documentary called The Nightmare that's all about this. And it's, I believe, five people who've experienced sleep paralysis. Okay. And it, all of them have the same experience, the same and it's just not my experience it's, at all. Yeah, yours is very different. Yeah. Again, he was on his back. He felt something on his chest. He saw a shadow person in the corner of the room. Yeah. All, literally all that. He could not move any part of his body. Again, to the point he couldn't even... He was trying to yell for me, and he felt like his mouth was frozen where he was just making the, like, hmm, hmm, noise. I couldn't imagine mm. that at all. Yeah, he was very shaken up by it. That, and he does not get fucking flustered for anything. Yeah, so. for sure. And it, it's the same thing you hear these stories of people waking up in the middle of surgeries but <gasps> being paralyzed because and being anesthesia. fully aware of what's happening around I them. I could oh. not and imagine. Like, a lot of them hear the fucking doctors like talking shit and stuff and just, yeah. Listening to Jimi Hendrix or whatever. Yeah, oh my God. So crazy. Yeah, so luckily this has not happened to me again and I... Hope the little God. girl's protecting you. That's why. She, yeah, she's protecting me. That is fucking crazy, though. And how she t- she took a second she to be like, it. "Yeah, no, there's another thing in there, and, it's and not that's her. not it." Uh, so scary. The fact that she wasn't like, "Oh, it's somebody else. It's this other spirit." Just like it's something. Exactly. And one of the things that I saw in my research is that succubi and incubi are depicted as being scaly and having talons. Which the fucking, yeah, mark on your back. Sure. Yeah. And that I guess eventually that the succubus lore transformed into the sirens mythology. Oh, yeah. But one of the things that was very odd to me when I was reading about it was that how they said that it's this really beautiful woman who, who entices you to like have sex with her but you don't notice until you're up close that she has scales and talons. I'm like, how fucking up close yeah. do you have to be to notice Why that? Are you? Yeah. Like, I think I'd fucking notice from like several yards away. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess so. I'm, I'm assuming it's more of a The Shining situation where like she was super hot when you started making out with her and then and all then of she a sudden she's like, got the talons. Yeah, so they have yeah. like fucking talons and the claw. Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm... Unless guys are just that horny. I mean, I have met many a guy who would just like, as soon as they saw a naked chick, would be like, "Amazing tits, I'm on board. Yeah. What's what's happening with your hands? I have no idea. <laughs> it's talent on your dick, and then you're done. Boom. Nailed it. <laughs> yes. Unintended. Literally. Literally. Nailed it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Did good. Did you even mean it? So good. Yes. That's 90% of my puns, honestly. Like, I'm usually around the person who's like, oh, that's... And I'm like, what are you making the face for? And then like, you just made a pun. It was very clever. I was like... Oh, fuck, yeah. That's right. I did, I did that on purpose. I totally did that, yes. Clearly. I know what I'm doing. My brain is working at its highest capacity. Clearly not. I can't even... <laughs> Tip the toe, Moni. Tip the toe. Tip the toe. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. Let's get some crime in this. In a little crime. Yeah. yeah. A little diablo. A little champers and crime. Champers. Let's start with sources. I used Murderpedia, Wikipedia, darkideas.net, Reddit... I mentioned two books, both of which were mentioned in the Murderpedia. Um, one is Lethal Shadow and one is Beyond Cruel, and they are both by Stephen Mitchend. So I am going to be discussing James Mitchell, who apparently went frequently by Mike D. Bartleben. What a name. What a name. It's a mouthful. I'm going to, I guess, call him by his last name just because I feel like that's the most proper thing. I feel very weird when I refer to... Uh, Jeffrey. Yeah, like if I was talking about Dahmer, would I call him Jeffrey? Like, we're not friends. Like, I don't <laughs> fucking know him. That'd be like if we talked about Ted Bundy and I was like, yeah, Ted went uh, down here and then he did this. Like, no, I don't know him. So, DeBartleben was born on March 20th, 1940 in Little Rock, Arkansas. 
He was named after his father, who was a rigid and controlling military officer with a bad temper. So we're off to a great start already. Yeah. What's what's his original name? Jim? James. James. James Mitchell DeBartleben. Apparently he went by Mike. I just was making sure that it was James and not John because you hear very often of these dads naming their kids after John Wayne. Oh, shit. Is that why John Wayne Macy is John yep. Wayne? Yeah. And then always the kid never lives up to that expectation of, of being a manly not. man because how could you? How could you? So I was like, is this another John no, Wayne no. situation? No. Okay. Uh, the thing that always cracks me up with that is when everyone does the whole, like, oh my god, serial killers have three names. That's Guess so what? Crazy. So it's do like, I. They do that so you don't confuse them with other people, and other people who have similar names can live their fucking lives. Yes. They give you all three of their names so you know that's the fucking guy. Yeah. It's not John Gacy who, like, does your roofing. Yeah, don't fuck over all the John Gacy's <laughs> in the world. Like, when I say John Wayne Gacy, you know who the fuck I'm talking about. Exactly. There's no mistake. Yes. So... <laughs> DeBartle Ben was the middle child of three children and had a strong love-hate relationship with his mother, who was an alcoholic and frequently verbally abused him. He had kind of a tumultuous childhood in that they moved around a lot. So in 1945, his family moved to Austin, Texas. Mm. While there, his father was serving in the U.S. Navy and was shipped out to the South Pacific for nine months. In 1949, family moved to Kentucky but didn't stay long there before relocating to Frankfurt, Germany. Oh. Because... Who doesn't want to grow up in post-World War II Germany? I mean, right? Yeah. It sounds like a great time. <laughs> Nailing it. After a year in Frankfurt, they moved yet again. In 1956, at the age of 16, DeBartle then began physically assaulting his mother. Oh my God. On September 8th, that same year, he purchased two handguns <gasps> and ammunition with a friend. No. Later that month... How old is he? 16. Stop it. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh no. Okay. It's only going to get worse. I think everyone who's listened has figured out by now. It only ever gets worse. <laughs> I'm not laughing because no, it's, just, it's, it's a nervous laughter. No, just just every defense mechanism is coming up and, and laughter is one of them. So I don't want anyone to think like, fuck that bitch. She thinks this is hilarious. No, no I'm just, I'm very uncomfortable. So my defense mechanisms are like, run, yes. laugh, <laughs> defuse the situation. Oh, trust me. I once was taken on a motorcycle oh, ride no. with no helmet. No, oh, no. We went over a hundred miles <gasps> an hour. And I genuinely, like, I literally got tunnel vision from how fast we were going. And I had the moment of clarity where I was like, oh, shit, I this actually could die. This, this is the moment this is I how die. Happens. And all I did was start laughing hysterically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a fucking crazy person on the back of this fucking motorcycle, yeah. just like hysterically laughing. Did this person break up with you after or did you break up with them? It was while I was dating Johnny. It was Johnny's friend. Johnny went right after me behind the guy saying, like, holding him. And Johnny yelled at him to stop that they were going too fast. So when they came back, Johnny was like, that was crazy. Like, that was way too fast. Like, did you go that fast? And the guy looked at Johnny and was like, I mean, we went faster because, like, you asked me to stop. And he was like, she didn't ask you to stop. He goes, your girlfriend fucking laughed. <laughs> like, laughed the whole time we were, like, going at the speed of death, basically. Yeah, because you were facing death and you're like, this is how it happens. This, this is, is how it. And it was like, you know what? If I'm going to go out, I'd rather go out laughing. Like, that seems... They're that gonna scrape me off of the fucking highway. Fucking highway. I was convinced this was gonna happen. Oh my god. I'd rather go out laughing. Yeah, I mean, I like that thought process <laughs> behind that. <laughs> me, I'm just a severely damaged individual who's like, I need to start laughing so that I can cope with what's happening yes, right now. Yes, <laughs> yes, that was it though. 
And when they called me out, I just like played it off like I was some fucking like hot yeah, bam. fucking shit. And I was just like, yeah, I laughed. At, I laugh in the face of death. When really, <laughs> I was like, no, I was just so terrified that that's the noise that came out of my body. Yeah. Like, I didn't know what else to do. On a much less terrifying scale, in college, my college boyfriend, when he asked me to meet his parents, I was in a fetal position laughing <laughs> for like 20 minutes. That sounds right. Uh, parents are fucking intense, man. I'd take I'd take the motorcycle over the fucking parents, honestly. His his family was actually really lovely. He was just trash, but you know that's how it happens sometimes. That happens. So I'm that's good. Parents raise trash. It's fine. It's a thing. It's yeah. Unfortunately, it's a thing. Uh, so if you hear us laughing throughout, that's what's happening. We're just yeah. We're just we don't find this, and we don't know how to handle it. Yeah, we don't find this funny. We're insanely uncomfortable, and every single defense mechanism is coming up. Just FYI. <laughs> Inappropriate or not, we have no control over them. Yeah. So, as I said, at the age of 16, DeBartle then began physically assaulting his mother. On September 8th, that same year, he purchased two handguns and ammunition with a friend. Later that month, he was arrested and convicted of his first felony, possessing a concealed firearm. In the spring of 1957, he was expelled from high school at 17, so he didn't graduate and enlisted in the Air Force instead. He was stationed at Lackland Air Force Base in Texas, and after only a year, he was court-martialed for disorderly behavior and sentenced to forfeit his wages and two months in the stockade. Holy fuck. I know, that's pretty crazy. And I know a stockade is not this, but I always picture the stupid yes. old-timey yes. thing where they're, <laughs> it's like this. That's the stocks, right? The stocks, yes. That's what it is. <laughs> but I always picture that no matter what. That in like Colonial Williamsburg yes. or whatever, you have to take the picture. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> I totally did that. There's, okay. So there's a, a neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. So there's a neighborhood in Brooklyn called Williamsburg. And I remember when I first moved here, everyone would be like, have you gone to Williamsburg? And I'm like, Colonial Williamsburg? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there like, was a no, kid. Brooklyn. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to die alone. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, like, technically, I feel like if there was a history quiz, you would have done better on that than those people, so you're good. Yeah. Don't listen to them. Well, no, I don't. I only come to Brooklyn for you. (sighs) Thank you. You're welcome. That's really the only reason you come to Brooklyn. That's right. That's correct. In 1958, Mike was ordered to visit a psychiatrist for counseling after he went AWOL several times. He was discharged from the Air Force at 18 and moved to Fort Worth to stay with his relatives. In 1959, he went back to try to finish high school, but after three months, he was expelled again. Jesus. Yeah. As you can tell, some underlying issues here. Mm -hmm. In August of 1959, he married his first wife, Linda Weir, but three weeks later, he separated from her. He separated or she separated? He separated. Okay. From my understanding. Okay. Also that month, he was arrested for attempted robbery with an accomplice. Jesus fucking Christ. Then two weeks after that, he was involved in a string of auto theft. He was only sentenced to five years probation. In October of that same year- He's still a teenager at this point, no? He's 18. Jesus Christ. So he is literally, he might be 19. He's just legally an adult. Yeah, he might be 19. But he's still a babe. But basically, yes, still a teenager. Oh my God. In October of 1959, he got an unknown woman pregnant, but the baby girl ended up being a premature stillborn. After that, he met and started dating a girl named Charlotte Weber, who was 17 at the time, and in March of 1960, she became pregnant, and on June 9th, he married her. December 12th, his daughter Bethine was born, and Charlotte became pregnant again, but he forced her to give it up for adoption, and they divorced not long after. Oh my god. 
In August 1961, I said he was the middle child, so his younger brother Ralph committed suicide for unknown reasons. Holy shit. DeBartleby thought it was due to their upbringing because they had a military father, an alcoholic mother, they moved around a lot. That's very difficult. Lack Um, of stability. Yes, 100%. He served eight months in prison for auto theft and then went to stay with his parents when he got out. I'm going to skip ahead a few years, but... Just know that during this time, he was continuing to commit crimes, and he also got married three Holy more times. Holy shit. Three more times. So that's five. Yes. I can do maths. <laughs> and under pressure. I love it. Right? With no pen and paper. Oh, fuck. On July 31st, 1979, a counterfeit $20 bill shows up in a bank in Florence, Kentucky. The teller reports it to the local Secret Service office. A month later, another one pops up in Cincinnati, Ohio, at a United Dairy Farmers store, and yet another one at the Burger Chef, still in Cincinnati, Ohio at this point. Before the year would end, more bills appeared in Elizabeth, New Jersey, and Scranton, Pennsylvania. The Forensic Services Division Lab was performing analysis on the first bill in Kentucky while the other ones were still cropping up. So the Secret Service wasn't overly concerned with the counterfeits when they first started appearing, because obviously it wasn't that much, but by the end of 1980, he had passed over $30,000 in shit. 38 states. By 1982, two years later, he passed over $130,000 in 44 states. Holy and, shit! And became the top priority of the counterfeit division. They gave him the moniker the mall passer because of his method of passing bills, which is basically where you go to a store, you buy a very small Right, you buy something that's two bucks and you give them 20 bucks. And and then then they they give you the change. That's your profit from your counterfeiting. Yeah. So the Secret Service starts investigating. They take interviews from employees that have taken counterfeit bills from him. Store employees in Kentucky, Minnesota, and Colorado helped the Secret Service develop a composite sketch of the counterfeiter. They described him as a white male, 5'9 to 5'10, and 160 to 170 pounds. They said he had black hair with a receding hairline, wore dark frame glasses, and was approximately 30 to 35 years old. The composite sketch was circulated to Secret Service field offices in areas where he had been known to pass. They then distributed the sketch at all of the malls in the area in an effort to raise the public awareness regarding the mall passer. And it was he was doing all this in malls. All of this in malls, so that's why they called him that. From mall employees, agents learned that he was typically well-dressed and would sometimes employ disguises such as fake beards, mustaches, and wigs, Mm. which I love to dress up, so I get it. He would seek out clerks that were young women and girls who could easily be distracted by conversation Mm. so they wouldn't be paying attention to the bill. On May 25th, 1983, DeBartleben entered a mall in Knoxville, Tennessee, and did his usual move of buying a few small items, paying with a counterfeit bill, and taking the change as profit. Store clerks immediately called mall security, who notified Secret Service agents. Holy shit. By the time he realized he had been identified, it was too late to run, and he was immediately arrested. Fuck yeah. He refused to answer any questions, admit or discuss anything while in custody, and just basically kept silent. He was not admitting to anything. Their goal was originally to find his printing plant, because they don't really consider a counterfeiting crime solved, unless they can find where the bills were printed. Because once they have all that, then it's clear and it's out of circulation, basically. So they got a warrant to search his car and returned to the mall to search the car in the hopes of finding a clue to the location. When they opened the trunk, they realized the mall passer was more than just a counterfeiter. In the car, they found guns, (gasps) thousands of dollars in counterfeit bills, pornography, a bunch of legal and illegal drugs, 18 license plates, most of them stolen from various states, nine fake driver's license, all with his photograph, 
as well as a mail-order police badge, which, what the fuck? Why is that even a thing? Why can you send off to get a police badge in the mail? That doesn't seem right. So once they found all this, their fucking radar is going off. They're right. Like, this this guy, guy, yeah, this guy is fucking... Fake 20s, just like some serious shit yeah, going on. Yeah, he's doing other things. The agents obtained a warrant to search his apartment, but nothing unusual could be found. But since the counterfeiting investigation isn't considered complete till the printing plant is found, they decided to one more sweep apartment. They were just like, fuck it, let's look again. One of the agents, Merritt, started going through DeBartle Bin's copy of the white pages to see if he'd made any marks or notes, but nothing. He then decides to check the yellow pages, and there, tucked into the moving and storage section, was a small piece of black paper. Since they hit their first big break on possibly finding the plant, they begin to investigate storage locations, starting with the one closest to DeBartle Ben's apartment. The agents show up at the storage location. When the agents showed the manager, Linda Johnston, a picture of DeBartle Ben, she said, I've been expecting you guys. I've been waiting for the cops. The manager knew him by a different name. He was going by J.R. Jones at the time, but recognized him from his picture immediately. She told the agents that a few weeks before, Jones had left his locker lit and unlocked. When she reached inside to turn the light out, she had been shocked and scared to see a red bubble police light sitting in plain view. Uh-uh. She could also see a large flashlight, photographic equipment, some tools, a ski mask, and what Johnston thought was a police radio. Uh-uh. Guess what? She actually called the local police when she saw what was in the unit, but they just brushed her off. Obviously. Because God. it's just shit in the storage unit. Ugh. So she just waited for them to come to her instead because she fucking knew something was up with this guy and he was sketchy as fuck. Good girl. So when agents finally got into DeBartle Ben's storage unit, they realized the full horror of what they were dealing with. Oh my God. While not large enough to house the printing plant the agents were searching for, they still found a number of disturbing things in the storage unit. They found red and blue police lights, like the manager mentioned. They found a bag with an empty gun case, ammunition, handcuffs, and twine. A dark blue ski mask and a large format camera, ideal for counterfeit work. Another bag had handwritten notes, phone numbers, and women's names and addresses. (gasps) He kept notes on self-appearance, self-importance, how best to lure his victims in bars, objectives for himself, goals for the types of victims he was after, how to equip his car with a hinged license plate that could be flipped up and down from the inside of the car. Get the fuck out. Eye bolts in the floor of the vehicle to like secure people <gasps> to the bolts in the floor, as well as reminders to install soundproofing and security alarms in his house. Hidden compartment locations, best times to kidnap his victims. The level of details is honestly terrifying, and while some were straightforward, others were written in code. I'm not audibly reacting because my mouth Your has jaw been on the is floor dropped. the entire time. Yes. Holy fuck. That is a fact. Oh, we're not even done listing the shit oh in the fucking storage fucking unit. Oh god. There was a scale in various drugs, including a Coke kit, which is basically just a mirror and razor blades, and a kit for testing drug purity. They found a printing plate and a little over 52,000 in counterfeit bills. There was clay for taking key imprints and several key blanks. There were newspaper clippings, most involving various crimes, self-help books, and psychiatric texts, which were extensively underlined. They found a man's hat with a blood-stained visor, a device for punching out auto ignitions, which is used to steal cars, various fake IDs, a pair of women's underwear with a severely stretched elastic band, whips, a dildo, and what Agent Mertz called a death kit, which was a bag with handcuffs, shoelaces, a choker chain, and KY jelly. Oh, no! Yeah. They also found 
brutally explicit photos of women, some barely pubescent, and many looking drugged, battered, or frightened for their lives. Oh my god. In some of the pictures, he was not visible or was cut out of the picture, and in these cases, it's believed that he let the women go after kidnapping and raping them. Oh my god. In the photos where he is visible, it is believed the women were killed after he tortured them. His face is never pictured. It's only like his arms yeah, or yeah. other body parts. They also found homemade audio tapes of torture sessions with women who begged for their tormentor to either stop or kill them. They appeared to be somewhat scripted and revealed a man full of self-hatred that needed to experience pain in others or himself to get aroused. Mertz, who listened to the horrifying and disturbing tapes, barely got through like a minute of listening to it, and he said they've been burned into his memory ever since. I can only imagine. But they were like, absolutely fuck. horrifying. So Agent Foos contacted the FBI in the hopes of enlisting their help to find more evidence and locate the victims. But because of the nature of the investigation, the FBI was reluctant to help since usually they start with the victim and work back from that. So it's very odd to have the perpetrator, the perpetrator of a crime and, and a bunch of evidence and, and then the have to try to find all the victims for this crime. Yeah. So Agent Foos and Mertz set up a database similar to the one used by the FBI to tie crimes together, and using that, they searched for crimes that might fit the evidence in the areas DeBartleben had been passing bills. Eventually, they were able to come up with a list of names and crimes that fit the evidence. On September 3rd, 1978, in Delaware, it was believed that he kidnapped Lucy Alexander, repeatedly raped and sodomized her, and then released her in an isolated area. February 4th, 1979, he kidnapped Elizabeth Mason, repeatedly choked her, and banged her head on a wall until she lost consciousness and she was left for dead. He took her pants and car, but she had not been sexually assaulted. June 1st, 1979, kidnapped Lori Jensen. He took her to his home where he kept her for three days. He raped, sodomized, and forced her to masturbate with an oversized dildo for him. Every time she saw him, he was naked except for a makeshift hood with eye holes. Oh my God. I know. <sighs> Can you imagine? It's awful. He also demanded that she call him daddy and took pictures and audio recordings throughout, then released her a few blocks from her home. Oh my God. November 1st, 1980, he tried to kidnap Diane Overton while impersonating a cop, but she fought him off, screaming for help as he tried to force her into the car. She ended up kicking the gear stick, which stalled the engine out. He jumped into the, right? Fuck yeah. Good on you, girl. He jumped into the driver's seat and proceeded to try to run her over before eventually <gasps> giving up. November 12th, which is literally 11 days after this last attack. After his previous failure, he kidnapped Maria Santini at gunpoint from the clothing store where she worked. He took her to his car where he forced her to crouch in the footwell as he drove her to his house. Stripped her, tied her up, and took pictures of her, eventually dumping her in the woods. I'm sorry, did he did he kill her? I have a question mark. I have literally in parentheses, dead question mark, and I did not answer my own question. That's okay. I don't believe so. So it seems like what's happening here, as they say on the last podcast, is he's in berserker mode. Oh, yeah. Like, he's it's 11 days, like, in between attacks. Like, he's just yes. full-on losing yes. his shit and just going nuts. The other ones, if you look the dates of, it is months spaced apart. I think that one, because he failed that one specifically, uh-huh. then he was like, I have Pissed. to fix this. Yeah. yeah, I have to do something to, like, prove that I still have my fucking mojo about this, I guess. Oh, my God. Is what I'm assuming it is, yeah. at least. On April 27, 1982, he kidnapped real estate agent Jean McFall. Her body was later found in the attic of a new home, lashed to a rafter (gasps) by a ligature in her throat. (gasps) She was found fully clothed with two puncture wounds to her heart. She had not been sexually assaulted. Oh my god. Yes. One more crime that was tied to him that was sort of unusual, it was not his usual M.O., 
In April 1983, he held David Starr, a bank manager, and his housemate Joe Rapini hostage, instructing Starr to get $70,000 from the bank for a ransom. He managed to get about half that and left it in an abandoned house. Later, he saw a woman in a white car collect the ransom. Despite Starr following orders, Rapini was found dead, which was his roommate. Later that day, shot in the heart and left <gasps> in a car. He just doesn't give a fuck. He does not give a fuck. So he often posed as law enforcement to gain the trust of his victims and insisting they accompany him, which is so fucking scary. It's yeah. like my fucking, uh Bundy used to do that shit. Bundy, I literally have that in the notes. And yeah. the Elizabeth Schof, do you remember that? Yes. Story where yes, she, yes. if no one has heard that story, like go look it up because that girl is a fucking badass. She was 14 years old, was kidnapped by a man who pretended to be a cop and kept her in an underground bunker. And she was smart enough to... Outsmart him. Outsmart him. Yeah. She convinced him one she was in love with him and that they were gonna be together forever in order to like get time away from the bunker to like drop her DNA yeah. all over the fucking woods so that people could maybe find her. Ugh. She's a fucking badass. She is a badass. So yeah, but that the whole impersonating police officers really, really fucking gets me. The women who survived said that he yelled a lot, cursed at them, and forced them to perform degrading acts and could not maintain an erection. That shows up a lot. Yeah, it does. Old state killer, same thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. That, or I find a lot of times it's a weird shaped, like yep. a weird penis it's very situation. Smaller. Yes. Well, even fucking Harvey, Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein. Girl! <sighs> and uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Yep. His little egg shaped, -shaped dick. dick. Yep. So yeah, if anybody's got a weird dick, get I hate to or, say that because then you're like encouraging them to do some shit. But. No, or you could just have a weird shaped dick and just be respectful yeah. of other people. Just give us a heads up before you pull your pants down. We're fine. We're like adaptable. You don't need to go through all of this you don't fucking need, shit. Exactly. Settle down. Go to see a therapist. Yeah. How about that? Sort your shit out. There's lots of women who will have no problem fucking whatever dick you have. Some girl wanted to marry the fucking guy who kept the stupid dolls in his apartment. Is yes. Like you're fine. You're fine. There's someone out there. For there you. is Trust a lid me. for every top. Trust Let me, me fucking tell you. Lid and top are the same thing, so I know you don't mean that. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Thank you. There's a lid for every pot. That's, God damn it. I'm I know. doing so bad God, at this. God damn our brains. I'm I know. not even drunk. I promise I know. You. That, that's the best part about getting drunk before the podcast is like, I could just blame everything on being drunk and not me being just normal and stupid because it's nope, fun. Nope, not anymore. Nope. <laughs> Surprise. We're just fuck-ups for this all of the time. <laughs> we don't know shit about fuck. You should know this by now. That's right. God damn it. So one girl said he told her he wanted to get back at women because he had a wife who had given him a raw deal. Which, dude, what get the fuck over it. Like, that doesn't, ha that doesn't have to do with fucking anything. What? What's the raw deal? Yeah. That she... Which one? The first one? I have He has five of them. Yeah. Which one? It doesn't say. It just says if his you've been wife. divorced five times, you need to look at the common denominator in this situation. The first one lasted three weeks. Like, dude, look at yourself. Look at your choices. Ten thousand percent. This is a you problem. This is a, yeah. This is very much a you problem. Since he often took photos of his victims naked and engaging in forced sex acts, he threatened to release them if they ever told. So they obviously catch him in the mall in Knoxville. For counterfeiting. For counterfeiting. <laughs> Let me reiterate that. This man was caught for counterfeiting. For, for hawking a fake 20. They had no idea of all of this other shit he was doing in the meantime. Absolutely no and idea. this is highly unusual, no, to span like these types of crimes, to also be like a counterfeiter and a rapist and a murderer and... Oh yeah, technically I guess robbed a bank because he made that guy yeah. rob the bank for him. 
Oh, like this guy doesn't give a fuck. The MOs are all over the place. All over the place. Like, literally, if you could do it and it was bad, he, he, he was did about it. it. Yeah, all about it. That being said, he was kind of a normal-looking guy. He's not, you know, Adolfo Constanza, huh? But <laughs> who is? But he just looks like a fucking guy. Like, yeah, he looks like a guy, but I definitely would be weirded out by him. Is it the eyes? Yeah, yeah. Like a dead shark eye. He soulless oh, thing. Like a doll's eyes. He yeah. does. He does have the shark eye thing going. Yeah, you're it, totally right. It's, it's very disconcerting. Oh, you're totally right. Mm-hmm. So the Secret Service has him in custody. He is not talking, but they are taking him to trial. Secret Service agents eventually track down all of his five wives, who had all suffered similar horrors at oh his hands. Oh my god, of course they did. Yes. Of course they did. Yes. Poor bunnies. Oh my fucking god. Poor bunnies indeed. Oh. The agents believed he was practicing his fantasies on his wives first oh before god. trying them on strangers. Oh my god. During one of his trials, his third wife testified that once he told her all women were whores, sluts, and tramps. They asked for what they got. Oh. And that was a direct quote, which go fuck yourself, go dude. fuck yourself. It's that thing that he can't keep it up. So yeah. that it's the other woman's fucking fault. fault. You know, that was a thing during the Salem witch trials that you could accuse a woman of spiritually stealing your dick. If you couldn't get hard. Yeah, basically you couldn't get hard and then you'd be like, that chick that I want to fuck, she stole my dick and she's a witch. I feel like you can't win. Either no. you are too sexual and they're overcome by your fucking womanly wiles and so they can't control whore. themselves and they have to rape you. Or or you're frigid. Yes. Yeah. Welcome to being a and woman. And we're stealing kids. your fucking dick magic. It's fucking terrible. It's fucking the worst. We have better outfits though, so. That's true. Skirts with pockets, really. Whenever, <laughs> whenever that happened, thank you. So his third wife also said that he believed he was God. Because, I mean, are we surprised, really? Obviously. With this guy? Yeah. Clearly a narcissist. The object of DeBartolin's most fucked up thoughts and fantasies was his fourth wife, Karen. Among the evidence that was found was a document titled Script slash Scenario, which was basically a script with notes for him to use while torturing her, Karen. Here are some notes from the script. He asked her to tell him about the pain. Is it necessary? Why? Describe it. Details. More details. How does it feel? Convince me that you like it. So she is not aware of the script. This is just happening to her and he has the script for himself. Am I getting this right? It was a little unclear. Like this isn't like like a play thing of like we're both... Like, oh, you're gonna show no, up no, no. and be the the TV repairman, and my TV's busted no. right off. Even if she, not my bedroom. if she played along with the script, it was literally due to her to fear, fear of him and him controlling her life. Like he had very clearly outlined steps to keep his wife suppressed and docile, basically, like control the money, make sure she doesn't go out, like make sure she doesn't alienate have... her from her friends yes, and family. Yes, all of the fucking normal shit. Oh, yes. God. So that she depends on you for everything and you control her whole fucking existence. The script also mentioned that he wanted them to tell him how they felt humiliated and degraded. He made notes to bite or cigar or whip at the moment of ejaculation. He made notes on hair pulling, pulling as a mane, say arf, bow wow, nay. He could have fucking gotten a job as a dominate, dominator, yeah, as, yeah. as a dude. I'm sure there are women who want, who will pay money for this. For this, yes. But it's that thing, they want it to be non-consensual because it's a power thing, it's not a sex thing. It's not. 
as you can tell, oh. he can't fucking even get it up for this. What a piece of shit. He's really a piece of shit. He also would make notes to say original statements, especially of Karen, such as she never really loved me. I don't want to kill Karen. I want to punish her. So this, I didn't want to kill her. I wanted to punish her was like found in the notes. Yes. So a lot of times, I guess he would make his victims read the scripts with him. And a lot of times he would talk about Karen oh, so that's with the them wife like, who, like while quote, it was unquote, happening. Fucked, fucked him, him up. up so badly. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Which like, dude, you had three other wives before this. Like, I don't think it was her or any of your other wives, obviously. No, you're just garbage. This is 100% on you. You're a trash person. Trash person. Direct quote from one of his scripts. Then I'm going to pull your fingernails out with a pair of pliers, one by one, just to hear you holler and make you laugh and smile and pretend like you like it while I'm pulling your fingernails out of your sockets. Yeah, your face is correct because this is fucking horrendous. I literally can't even speak. Ugh. Oh yeah, you want another one? There, oh, I, another. I mean, we're here. <laughs> he says, I'm going to smoke a cigar and push the cigar in the middle of your back and put it out so you can <sighs> feel the fucking pain. Second on my list of goals, buy a house with a secret fun area, which would include a cage. Sick. This, this is a sick man. So his fourth wife, Karen, they met when he was 30, she was 18, and his goal was to degrade and control her completely. Like I said, yeah. She participated in his criminal schemes, as did his next wife, but they both did it out of fear. They were subjected to different forms of humiliation and domination and were still terrified of him even after he was gone from their lives. His hatred for Karen in particular was so intense that he often mentioned her to his rape victims. Once investigators had pieced together enough evidence, he was facing 11 indictments in nine states. Six charges for counterfeiting, two for murder, a kidnapping charge in Connecticut, and a federal kidnapping charge in Baltimore, Maryland. He was also charged with sodomy, robbery, and armed criminal action. So in order to connect him to the crime, the photos that they found in the storage unit were reprinted from the negatives because he cut a bunch of them so that he wasn't visible. They identified 40 different women in the photos. Stop it. Most of whom have never <gasps> been identified. No. Yep. Oh my God. FBI forensic photographic analysts suggested comparing the body parts in the pictures, looking for any moles or distinguishing marks to prove DeBartleben was the man in the pictures, which they actually ended up doing literally from like freckle and mole comparison, yeah. they ended up proving that it was him. He was ordered to submit body photographs to the court and after comparison, it was obvious the man in the photographs was DeBartleben. Handwriting samples were also taken to compare the notes and the diaries found in the storage unit. Handwriting experts confirmed that he had been the one to write the notes. He was also ordered to give the hair samples, both head and pubic. These were compared to the samples taken from known victims after their attacks. Forensic scientists concluded that his hair matched some that had been found on the victims. I will note this was a visual inspection under a microscope only. They did not do DNA testing mm -hmm. at this time. He was narcissistic enough to represent himself in court. Of course he was. A la Ted Bundy. Of course. Yeah. Uh, and tried to claim that seizure of the tapes and sexual paraphernalia was not within the limits of the search warrant for counterfeiting equipment. Go fuck yourself. And tried to have them suppressed. Yes, exactly. To which the judge basically told him to go fuck himself. They weren't suppressing that. Correct. According to darkideas.net, 
Perhaps he couldn't resist the sadistic act of forcing one of his victims to endure listening to the audio recording of her ordeal during cross-examination. Well, that was Bundy's whole thing. Yeah. When Bundy did cross-examination, he asked them to go like detail by detail about the attack. Because he, he just like fucking got off on Yeah. It. He's like, ooh, tell me the story. Yeah. Tell me the story of what I did to you, basically. Yeah. Apparently, though, the jurors could see that he was enjoying the power trip, and when cross-examining a victim about being pulled over into the car, he made a fatal error and ended up describing the car and the event in so much detail that it was clear he'd been there. By the time the six trials were over and he was found guilty in all of them, he was sentenced to 180 years in prison. For the assault on Lori Cover, he received an additional two life sentences. For the kidnapping of... Karen Elario, he received 60 years. For his counterfeiting crimes, he was sentenced to 135 years for a total of 375 years. Shit. That being said, to this day, this is still considered to be only a tiny fraction of his actual crimes, and he never technically faced charges for murder. It was only the counterfeiting and the kidnapping and all of that bullshit. Holy shit. So, as we discussed with all of his felonies, he was a car thief, a con artist, a bank robber, a forger, a kidnapper, a rapist, and a suspected serial murderer with disturbingly perverse appetites. After interviewing two of DeBartle Ben's victims, Special Agent John Douglas from the Behavioral Science Unit offered a description of his likely background and personality characteristics, which included a weak father, a domineering mother, record of previous offenses, including voyeurism and burglary, adjustment problems in school and the military, difficulty with females, believes that his victims want what he's doing to them, fantasies influenced by sadomasochistic pornography, mm. if married, degrades his wife and experiments with her, cagey and intelligent, likely to be a police buff, may stalk victims to relive the experience. Mm. Forensic psychiatrists Park Dietz and Roy Hazelwood from the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit diagnosed him as a full-fledged, highly aberrant sexual sadist. Mm. You know, John Douglas is who Mindhunter is based on. This guy's fucking Mindhunter prime material here. Yeah, that fucking profile. He fucking Literally, it. yes. Like, check the fucking boxes. Yes. I'm going to do a quote from Hazelwood here that says... A sexual sadist is an individual who is aroused by the suffering of another person. It is not the infliction of pain that's arousing, it's the victim's suffering. He may use pain, physical or psychological, as a tool to elicit the suffering, but it's the suffering that is most important to him. One thing that's confused with sexual sadism is cruelty committed during a crime. A lot of crimes are extremely cruel, but very few crimes are called sexual sadism. We've overused the term sadism in our society. In my opinion, sexual sadism counts for no more than seven to 10% of sexual crimes committed. But the sexual sadist is the great white shark of sexual crimes. He's the premier predator. Holy fuck. So this is another quote from Hazelwood, which kind of goes into what he would get the wives into. So it says he would rehearse with his wives and he'd then act out that fantasy with his other victims. And he would even put himself on the audio tape with the falsetto voice playing the role of the victim. He also had a number of cards containing statistics and sexual evaluations of random females. What the fuck? Yeah. He was very weird. But again, he's like very methodical and highly intelligent and well-planned and was really covering his tracks well. Obviously, 
because they fucking only got him for the counterfeiting. They didn't even know he was doing all these fucking sexual crimes yeah, until because, they checked the goddamn trunk. Yeah, because usually counterfeiters not going to be fucking murdering people. But yeah. those are just completely different MOs. Yes. Also, if I was doing that, I would. I feel like I would have a lot on my plate at that moment. I'd be like, I'm too busy That's trying to make lot. these bills. Yeah, and passing them off as regular bills. Like, I don't fucking have time to rape and murder a bunch of girls. But clearly not. Because the thing is, you know, with murderers, there, there's an escalation that happens. Yes. It's, it starts with... You know, abuse, abusing animals, pyromania, blah, blah, blah. and then there is like a, a sequence of events that you can see like point A to point B, like how it ended up at murder. Counterfeiting isn't in that. No. This is just someone who just straight up didn't give a fuck. Yes. Again, very tumultuous childhood, not great parent situation. He was fucking doing crimes from a really young age. Like he, what, got a gun at 16? Yeah. So, and like started beating, beating his, his mom. mom. Yeah. Fuck? So fucking didn't finish high school, was fucking kicked out of high school and the military. Was not have a shit. And that's something, you know, like you don't pick your parents. You don't pick your family. I just can't comprehend beating your mom. Like no. if you have a terrible mother, then just roll out. Yeah. And, and you know, of course, like with domestic abuse victims, a lot of people are like, why don't you just leave? Like, I understand the psychology of that, why they don't and why they feel like they can't. And a lot of times if you're a kid and you're stuck in the house, you can't just... Yeah, of course. But, like, beating your mom? Yeah. Also, I, from what I've read, he was he was almost six foot. He was, like, 160 pounds. If your mom was verbally abusing you or whatever for so long, just be like, I'm not taking it anymore. You don't have to beat her. Just be like, look, I'm not going to fucking take your bullshit. Like, yeah. just get the fuck out of here. Go for a walk around the block. I'll come back. You'll settle down. Yeah. Like... I'm going to crash at my friend's place for a week. Bye. Yeah. But if you grew up relocating all the time, you probably don't have like right. close True, yeah. friends. You're probably very isolated. Yeah. I'm not trying to justify it. No, not at all. We're, this guy is fucking... We're also just trying to maybe understand a little bit what the fuck this is. Yes. This was one of those where I was like, totally had a shot head injury, right? And then I was like, nothing came nothing. up. This is fucking crazy. Because I, I was going to ask that. From what I can tell, there was no indication that he had a childhood head injury. Some authorities consulted by agents believe DeBartleben's crime history is unmatched anywhere for its sadism, its scope, and his success at eluding detection. Not only the Secret Service, but federal, state, and local law enforcement officials all over the United States, together with judges, prosecutors, jurors, and jailers alike, would come to regard the name Mike DeBartleben as synonymous with indescribably evil criminal intellect. Many investigators would tell agents Foos, Mertz, and Stevens that DeBartleben was the most dangerous felon ever at large in America. The actual number of his victims is still unknown. Like, they still don't really know the extent of what this man did. After his sentencing, agents made a last attempt to talk to DeBartleben to obtain confessions and more information, but he was in no mood to talk. He had an arrogant demeanor and refused to even acknowledge the agents. He told them absolutely nothing. Wow. Which is kind of unusual because usually Super once unusual. people get caught, they're they like... They love running their mouth. Yes. Yeah. Like they want that sort of like... They'll even say they have more victims than they, than they do. They do. Yeah. They want that like fucked up celebrity of like, yeah, I fucking did it and I almost got away with it too. But no, he literally, to the day he fucking died, mum's the word, didn't say anything. When did he die? He died on January 26, 2011 of pneumonia at the Federal Medical Center in Butner, North Carolina. He never acknowledged his guilt or bragged about any of his horrific crimes. Because of this, he would become one of the most infamous but largely still anonymous felons in American criminal history. 
DeBartleman has been compared with other similar offenders, such as Ted Bundy, as we mentioned, Jeffrey Dahmer, and John Wayne Gacy. What set him apart was his painstakingly patient and methodical approach to murder that allowed him to remain at large for far longer than any of them. By the Secret Service's best estimate, he committed his first killing in 1965 at the age of 25 and has been preying on women for 18 years prior to his arrest. Holy shit. Just for a little bit of comparison, Ted Bundy's spree lasted five years mm -hmm. and he has a body count of anywhere from 20 to 100 victims. Yeah. So you can only fucking imagine what this guy could have been capable of. He was active in 44 states with victims of both sexes. And I feel like this really sums it all up perfectly. He is cited by name in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders under Sexual Sadism and Antisocial Personality Disorder, which you know, really fuck up to be put in there. I mean, you have to be the A number one. Yeah, when they're like, hey, what's this? And you flip to the fucking page and you're like, oh, that's your picture right there. Holy shit. Yes. Like I said, he died January 26, 2011 of pneumonia. That was an amazing story. I can't believe I've never heard of this it's person. It's relatively unknown, and I think the main reason is because he was he caught was as a yeah he was caught as a counterfeiter before they even realized he was doing all of this fucked up shit. I know. I was amazed. I never heard of this guy. More people should know. More people should know. And now they will because of you. Thank you. I'm glad you liked him. I'm glad you hadn't heard it before. I'm shocked that I haven't heard of this yeah, before. Yeah, I know that was. I thought that was a pretty big one too. I was like, I feel like this guy should be more well known. Way more. Terrified. Oh my god. Thank God he was fucking counterfeiting and they fucking caught him on something else Thank and god. they realized how fucking awful he was and continued to pursue him for the other things as well instead of just being like, yeah, that's not my problem. Yeah, but you know, sometimes that's how it happens. That's I true. Mean, look, Adolfo Constanzo. They were looking for another chick. Yeah. And it happened to be in the same neighborhood. And he was just like, they're coming for me, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's crazy sometimes how how much is actually chance versus yeah. how much is actually the investigation. Yeah, the investigation yeah. and the work behind it. Yeah. It's so disturbing. It's so disturbing. That was so good. God, I'm glad you liked that one. Yeah, when I stumbled across it, I was like, what? Why is this not more well known? Absolutely, this should be more yeah, well known. Yeah, especially like it, he's possibly more prolific than Ted Bundy. Yeah. Which, going back to the crazy and insane documentary, yeah. you have to watch that. I they, guess, yes, they, yes. Yeah, they get into new Bundy information, which I actually thought was very interesting. Oh, okay. Which I know, are you, you're not particularly interested in Ted Bundy? Or you just don't think he's as... It's, I just don't think he's hot. And they mention it in every fucking thing. Always that he's handsome. Yeah. You're like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's fine. He's a guy with a face. Uh, he didn't smell like sour milk. Yeah. Is that is that the bar we're at? I, apparently. I guess so. Yeah, it's not scarred and fucking with a swastika on his forehead. Not everyone can look like fucking Charles Manson. I'm sorry. There was a guy walking down the street yesterday. Oh, God. Oh, God. I don't know if this was just dirt or a swastika situation. No. But he definitely had... Or he was coming from an audition that he was supposed to like be Charles Manson because it was very much Charles Manson vibes and like a schmutz on his forehead. Really? Yeah. Yes. Wow. I mean, I what New a time. Is fucking crazy. <laughs> uh, that's when you just cross the other side of the street. Keep I was walking. Like, Dude, you're good. I just want a lemonade from Dwayne Reed. That's <laughs> that's what's happening. Too much to fucking ask. Honest <laughs> to God. It's like I'm not dealing with this today. Ugh. I constantly am a person when it's Ash Wednesday, I don't realize what's happening and I'm constantly like, you have a little, oh no, no, no. I, got, I got it, I'm sorry, I'm the you're, worst. You're yeah. a fucking heathen. Heathen. <laughs> Proudly. Proudly heathen. That was great. Thank you. Yours was great too. I'm glad you did a personal story. Thank I'm you. I'm super excited. I'm 
maybe going to try to get you to do some more of those. I, yeah, I was a little concerned that that was a bit of a cop-out. No, I don't think so at all. I think okay. it's better than just researching and reading a story because it's it's better than a listener story. It's a host story. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. It's a host story, but we do want listener stories. We do. We want all of your stories because coming up in the next couple weeks, we are going to be doing a listener stories episode, and we're so excited. Yes. So if you have any ghostly encounter, any incubus, incubus, succubus, any cryptid stuff, any alien stuff, any true crime stuff, give us your weird shit. on over to another fucking horror podcast at gmail.com. It's a period instead of the you and fucking. Or DM us at another fucking horror podcast on Instagram. Uh, we want to hear your stories. All the stories. All the stories. Guys, thank you so much. We are fucking four episodes in. This is four? This is five. Five. Yeah. five. five. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. Five episodes in. Officially. We have listeners in 10 countries and 20 states. That is so overwhelming and amazing. Warms the cockles of our hearts. Yes, the cockles of both of our hearts. <laughs> are so toasty. <laughs> it's warm and toasty. This is not possible without you guys. You guys are so amazing. Thank, and thank you so much for the reviews that you've left us. And those of you who haven't, please leave us a review. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, that really helps get the word out about us and helps us with advertisers. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Another Fucking Horror Podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Mo. You can find me on Instagram at Lobotomy. That's Lobot, period, Amy, A-M-Y. Keep it cute. Keep it creepy. Bye, kids. Bye.